Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Now then, rugby fans, welcome to the Rugby Dungeon. This is episode three. I'm JB, and today I am ably assisted by my good friend Mike. Hello, Mike. Hi, JB. So ably assisted that I'm going to tell you it's episode four. It is episode four. But of course, that's redundant information because I've downloaded it and it says episode four. Unless I've all turned off now because I think it's episode three again. Um, we are joined today by Rob Miller. Rob Miller started his career at Tyndale, then went to Newcastle. Became top try scorer in the league uh, for sale and is now in an excellent Wasps team hunting for silverware next year. Um, as usual, I'm going to read you some adverts now. Uh, and then if you want, you can skip over to minute three or four. Or you can be a good lad or girl and listen to all the adverts. Help support the podcast. Uh, help us do everything we down here, do down here in the dungeon, which we love so much. Also, make sure you follow us on social media. Uh, we are on the uh, sorry, we are at the Rugby Dungeon. Uh, we do have an Instagram somewhere, which I suspect is at the Rugby Dungeon, and also we've got a Facebook page. If you've got time, please leave a review on iTunes. It is much much appreciated. Helps us get up the ranks and helps spread the great gospel of rugby. And of course, those people helping us spread the gospel of rugby are Pearson Solicitors and Financial Advisors. Uh, solicitors and Financial Advisors, all handily wrapped up in one very convenient solution. Financial Advisors for all your pension needs, so you can make sure that you retire nice and securely when the time comes. In, uh, investments for growing that nest egg. IHT to make sure there's something to pass on to the next generation. And of course, legal services. It is of crucial importance that you get your legal services done by professionals that know exactly what they're doing. Wills, powers of attorney, conveyancing. Uh, le- legal issues, Mike, can be can be a nightmare. Do you know what would happen if you didn't have a power of attorney? I've got no In fact, idea. Do you, know what, do, do you know what a power of attorney is? Nope. A power of attorney is something to help you deal with someone else's affairs, particularly if they became incapacitated. So grandma gets incapacitated. You need a power of attorney. And you know what happens if you don't have a power of attorney? No. A government official will come around your house and throw your grandmother in a wood chipper. So it's very important you get a power of attorney. Yeah, I'm on it now. Perfect. Pearson Listers and financial advisors, look them up. Um, PearsonLegal.co.uk And our second sponsor today is Kindberg Watches. Kindberg are a fantastic brand. And actually, we've got in touch because they are fans of the podcast. But no matter how much they like the podcast, I can tell you right now, I like their watches a lot more. Uh, I was actually surprised that they let us advertise these because they look like the sort of thing which would only be exclusively available to an MI6 employee. They are very, very cool. Go to www.kindberg.com. Just have a look what uh, just have a look what they offer. The watches are designed in London, so you know, fashion capital of the world. As you can tell, I know all about fashion. Um, and the actual movement, the actual mechanics, 
are designed in Switzerland. So best of both worlds, a fantastic product. Um, www.kainberg.com And if you do decide to buy a Kainberg watch, which everyone should, please use the code RUGBY at checkout to receive your podcast-related discounts. Now, we've done the adverts. We're on 3 minutes 33, so a little bit behind time. Without making you wait any further, I will hand you over to mine and Mike's interview with Wasps player Rob Miller. I sincerely hope you enjoy it. Okay, and joining us on the podcast now, the first ever guest I've had who has his own highlights video. It's Mr. Rob Miller. How are you, Rob? I'm very well, thanks. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. Tell me, have you actually seen your highlights video? Um, I've been made aware of it. I certainly didn't. I certainly didn't make it myself. Come on. Um, <laughs> my dad did. No, uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, I've, I, I have been made aware of it, yeah. But I'm sure it's probably had had about 10 hits on it, so I'm not sure it'd be too high up on, on the hit list. It's had about 12 from me alone. So, uh, All right. So, oh, okay. so you're doing okay you, there. You've doubled the numbers then. Yeah. It's impressive stuff because that probably mostly came from the season that you were top try scorer, but we were just looking at your record now. Um just remind us, how many points did you get for Tyndale in what seems like a single a single season? Um, I can't actually remember. I, I remember it was it seems a long time ago now, but I I played quite a lot of games that season because there was um, that was pretty much one of you know sort of first year out of school and the big thing at, at Newcastle was get, was getting game time. So we would play um, most of the the academy lads would play for the A team on a Monday night and then uh, at loan clubs which were Tyndale or Blade and on the Saturday. Um, so there was a few of us. Academy boys who who were sent down to Tyndale. Um, it's an awesome club, and we were in I think it was National Three at the time. Oh, I see. Um, and uh, we managed to we had a really strong side that year and had a had a good season and got promoted. Can, oh. can actually tell you, Rob, it was it was 265 uh, th- that you'd managed there in, in 29 games if uh, Wikipedia's to be believed. Oh, nice. Oh well. Yeah, it's not not a bad uh, return. Yeah, it was good. It was a good season. It was um, yeah. I'd say there's a. Uh, a real good bunch of mix of lads down there from uh, obviously there was all the academy sort of 18 19 year old lads that were down there myself uh, mickey young was there uh and then there was a good mix of the you know the sort of lads who'd been at tandale for a while players like jack harrison and, uh, oh, yeah. and some of the other sort of local farmer guys who played were uh, were outstanding so yeah, it was a good season enjoyed it excellent well we started this podcast about three weeks ago now rugby dungeon and yeah we thought, actually, when we're starting it in the off-season, it's going to be rubbish because all the players are busy doing their own thing. And it turns out to be brilliant. So um, what have you been doing with the, with your off-season? Um, I've, I've, I've been quite busy, but probably uh, doing more sort of uh, extracurriculum stuff, would you say? Um, so I, I obviously I listened to your to your podcast with uh, with Brady last week <laughs> and, and I, I myself was on was on one of one of those stag do's. Which one was that uh, then? I was with on Lee Imlex down in uh, down in Bournemouth, that- and uh, so yeah, that was that was a good trip. And then um, I've been away. Um, I was in Dublin on the weekend with um, on my brother's stag do, which I actually had to had to take the uh, the honour of organising. Oh, nice! Uh, was relatively stressful, but I think it, I think it went to plan. Everyone uh, seemed to have a good time, so it was it was good. So yeah, I mean, most of the boys are, are away on holidays or on breaks, but you, you kind of get to to our age and a lot of the lads are, are getting married and stuff and that means obviously the only time we can really fit in weddings and stag do's are through this five six week period so we're they're all crammed in so we're at Wilcliffe's wedding on Saturday 
and then Lee and Lex is in a couple of weeks' time, so they're 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 coming fast and furious. At the moment. Yeah, uh, everyone we spoke to so far is either um, uh, is either on a stag do or is yeah. just coming back from holiday. We've got uh, Will Addison coming in tomorrow. Um, That's spo- right, he's been away. Yeah. Spoiler alert: today, Bahamas. So uh, yeah. Yeah, he's been uh, he's been out, out in Bermuda, I think, on uh, on a on a, a rugby invitational trip. So I, oh, I is that what it sent is? a couple of pictures from him, and uh, there didn't seem to be a lot of rugby being played, but it looked uh, it looked outstanding where we were at. Uh, is your brother into rugby too? Yeah, yeah, he plays. Um, so uh, he's playing up at our junior club at Aspetia Rugby Club, where Steve Anley would have played as well. Yeah. Um, so we we all played there. So this he's the first team captain up there. So he plays uh, along with quite a lot of the lads I used to play with. So it was actually quite a good trip because we managed to to sort of spend a bit of time both with him and with with lads that hadn't obviously seen for a while and managed to spend more than uh, more than a few hours with. Nice, nice. Yeah, I've been to a a few times when I used to play for Broughton Park. It's a tough yeah. place to go. It is, it is, and uh, they tend to. I mean, they did pretty well this year. I think they just missed out on the playoffs. Um, but they, uh, I think they have quite a strong home record. Obviously, a lot of the, you know, the teams in the, from the Manchester area that come down oh. uh, or come up, obviously, is uh, is quite a, quite a tough place to come to, especially uh, especially in the back end of winter. Yeah, there's not a, si- a single Cumbrian club where you go up there on a coach trip and get an, and get an easy game. They're all no. they're all nails. Exactly. In fact, actually, Good. I think this season um, it was Kendall versus uh, Kirby. And they're both fight- right. and they're both fighting for a playoff spot. They had a bigger crowd there than they had at the AJ Bell for some of their oh, really? games. Yeah. My uh, my friend, uh, one of my best friends from school, he plays fly half for Kendall. Uh, and I remember speaking to him the morning of the game, and he said, "Oh, it's going to be, it's going to be a big, a big fixture." And then after I sort of spoke to him about it afterwards, and a few people had said how many people were there. It was uh, that's awesome for I think it's like two like local teams, especially in Cumbria, to get that many people down to watch is fantastic. Yeah, but Kendall's a big club though. I mean Kendall's always been yeah, that kind true. of community club. They've been up there what, national two, three? Yeah, yeah, I think they are now, yeah. Uh, what, what what was the background of Espatria? They've had some they've had some heydays. Yeah, so their their sort of main era was was probably to be honest when uh, my dad's era when they all played, um the sort of back end of the 80s and 90s, they played. I remember I actually got um, match day programs from a spectre playing Exeter. That's uh, awesome. Red Roof. So I can imagine their away trips were uh, were pretty brutal. There wouldn't have been any uh, there wouldn't have been any flights back then. So it was <laughs> obviously finish work early on a Friday, bus it down probably with a couple of beers, play on the Saturday. Yeah, you stay do. Stay over, bus it back, and then straight back to work Monday. Yeah, you do wonder, don't you? Like in the non-professional days, how these fixtures were ever kept. Like if you were, I don't know, a, per- yeah, a Percy Park or someone. Yeah, I mean they must have had uh, they must have had some good bus trips, I would imagine, on the way on the way back. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm actually from North Wales, and we've got an issue in North Wales, which is we don't have any professional rugby until yeah. RGC, which is a kind of a brand new team, which the the WRU parachutes in there, putting the coaches, and they're doing really really well. Great. Um, yeah. And I kind of think Cumbria is the same sort of place. In my mind, there should definitely be a pro team. And I know there are some high-level teams, but like a, a team constantly pushing for the premiership there because there's so much talent. Yeah, obviously, you know, it's it's a big, it's a big county, but obviously it's just the, you know, it's not very densely populated. And, um, you know, a lot of the guys who, who obviously uh, are in my brother's team and stuff, you know, they, they all work, you know, 
and could travel up to sort of 20, 25 miles to come into training. So mm. I think that's potentially an issue. But I mean, you know, if there was ever an opportunity for something like that to to take place, it'd be awesome. I mean, you know, rugby in the north massive. You see, you know, some of the some of the players that have came out of out of the sort of Newcastle, Sale, Leeds teams in the in the past. Mm. You know, it's, it's really a, a sort of strong strong sort of bed of uh, of rugby talent, really, and. Uh, well, we, yeah, I guess it's just the way it is. People tend to sort of move move around. Well, yeah, I was going to say the, uh, the the issue you get in uh, in North Wales is the lack of a focal city somewhere to to, to base it around. Yeah. And, and you've I suppose you've got Carlisle uh, in Cumbria, but do, do you think it, if it was to go that way, you'd you'd maybe need to to pool the resources and just call it Cumbria rather than yeah, I think so. It? I mean, obviously, given you know the the financial constraints now to sort of to run a run a professional team, you know, you would need some real big, some big sort of heavy heavyweight sponsors in there to to pull it all together, and then to obviously attract the players to to move to the area and that kind of thing. Um, so I think that the financial constraint would potentially be be one of the biggest sort of hurdles. But yeah. certainly, you know, the scopes there in terms of in terms of sort of players and and people that participate in in actually playing. Yeah, because if you think about it, like the amount of talent that's come out there, you know, there's obviously yourself, there's, uh, there's Gascon, I believe that he's he's a Cumbrian lad. Um, yeah, Steve Cheshire, Hamley. he's just Sambachi is, yeah. Uh, not not too far away. Will Addison, Will Addison, Cumbrian player, Mark Wilson. Yeah, there's absolutely... Uh, yeah, and Mark Wilson's Chris Harris. absolutely class. He might be the most un, most underrated back row in the country. Yeah, he's good. I mean, playing against him is a nightmare when we play when we play Newcastle. He's he's off the ball loads. Um, and, you know, he, he plays... He's sort of one of the first names on the on the team sheet at Newcastle, and he's he's going really well at the minute. Did they move him to second row for a, a tiny while? I seem to remember that. Like, yeah, Newcastle I think he, played, strange. he might play second row against us, yeah. Yeah, because I think... I like, guess, obviously, they're able to do that to, to then move around, um, other bring in other players, and, you know, probably he's he's someone who, you know, they probably want to be playing most of the time just because the amount of ball he turns over and he carries really well, and... He's real physical. He's absolutely class, but it's just strange. They've gone for this pack now, which has got obviously the three back row in, but then they put two flankers in in the second row as well. They've got, I think, their two second rows are six foot two, which is almost unheard of in in the modern game. Yeah, exactly. And I think you know the way they they like to play is, you know, they're they're quite sort of an abrasive pack, but also they're they're good in def, you know defensively to break them down. They've obviously got their attack flying at the minute, and and their defence is is good. And to have so many sort of jacklers as it is of the. In your in your pack, it makes it a nightmare if uh, you know if the, if they manage to get over the ball. So yeah, so what so what was your route then? Did Newcastle pick you up from watching you in Cumbria? Yeah, so I I was at a like a sort of district tournament. So um, obviously Cumbria was split to east east west, uh, north and south, and then we we were all sort of play um, in this sort of festival. And I got picked up by um, our academy manager at the time, was John Fletcher. Yeah. So I think I was about twelve or thirteen, I think it was, and he sort of said, "Oh, he got in touch and spoke to my dad and said, um, can you come along to some sort of uh, training through the sort of I think it was the half-term holidays at the time,' and um, and just go for, and it just went from there. Really, it was it was quite quite relaxed in the in the, in the sort of early days, and then um, as it got a little bit more serious, I played uh, England under 16s and then. Um, 18s and then they they offered me a, a contract when i left school so i was uh yeah i was pretty lucky really oh right okay because i've got to say like i knew you played at a spatria but looking at your your you know professional record or your senior record you actually haven't had any appearances there it's just been to tyndale and then and then straight to newcastle yeah so i played i played one season uh at spatria in the first team with 
I went. I was in my last year of six songs. I'm I'm an August birthday, so I'm a sort of late birthday. Yeah. And I just turned just turned 17. I was in my final year at sixth form, and and they said, look, it'd be good for you to play because I was playing at school and and the other representative stuff. But they said, you know, to get a season of of men's rugby under your belt would be would be ideal. And you know, it was uh, it was really good. I mean, at times it was tough, and I took a took a couple of kickings off a couple of uh, <laughs> off a couple of old school people who would kind of try and take me out a bit but it was um experience wise was awesome you know just getting used to that that different level of physicality from schoolboy rugby yeah it's frightening actually might might it be is, a bit of it, a, was. it might be a bit of a niche question but do, do you know Andrew and Mark Irving from I do Pedro? I'm actually I'm actually very good friends with both of them. Mark was was with us this weekend. Right. Um, I, in, I went to university Dublin. with uh, with both of them. Um, or, or, I wonder if you. Yeah, could... yeah. Andrew's Andrew's down in London now, and he's. Uh, I'm not sure who he's playing for. Mark's out in in Italy. He's playing for a team out in Italy. Nice. Um, the, but yeah, both going really well. I mean, the the question I had related to it was, we never knew if he was. This is Andrew. If he was laughing or if he was angry. So I don't know. Is that <laughs> something you can. You can tell yeah, he's usually, he's usually what he's usually pretty uh, pretty grumpy to be honest. You can't really tell. <laughs> he's usually got crisps in his mouth, so you can't, <laughs> can't understand him either. But yeah, he's uh, no, they're good boys, good lads. Uh, have I got this wrong? Stuart Lancaster is he a a Spatria guy? Uh, he's he's a Cumbrian guy. I think he was at um, if I'm right. I think he went to school at St Bees, which is down on the west coast near down near Egremont. Oh, uh, and then um, I think that's where he went to school. Um, so yeah, there's, like you said, there's quite a few, quite a few boys who sort of came. Well, he can't get more right, hey. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what is the uh, what's the perception of him in Cumbria? Because obviously there's the, there's the the lovers and the the haters and the yeah. Um, <laughs> how's he how's well, he perceived? I mean, any time I I sort of met him or spoke with him, you know, he was he was a real good guy. I'd, you know, been uh, coached a couple of times by him and. Uh, and, you know, thought he was really good. And, you know, it was just one of those unfortunate things that the World Cup, although it comes around once every four years, it comes down to yeah. a couple of results. And if they go one way or they go the other way, and it's, uh, you know, it's so so sort of cutthroat at that at that top level. You yeah. know, if it had gone a couple more points either way, the, you know, the England team would have been, uh, you know, probably close to the to the knockout stages. But how how was it that you how was it that you came to be coached by, by Stuart? Um, so I'd been, uh, we had a... Uh, an England sort of wider squad summer camp in Loughborough. Yeah. Um, a couple of years ago, and uh, it was uh, it was at that that camp that he was he was there. So it was just um, it was it was in the summer, so it was it wasn't too specific in terms of um, you know prep for say the Six Nations. It's mm. more of the sort of first get together of the of the season. So there's a lot of sort of testing and and then generic uh, skill stuff. So uh, but yeah, he's uh, he obviously headed that up and. Uh, yeah, no, it was good. All oh, right, so what they just brought you in? They made you run fitness drills just to see where you're all up to comparatively. Yeah, so they they brought in I think I can't remember the squad size. It was sort of maybe around 40, 40, 42 maybe. Um, squad size of lads. We we'd gone. Everyone went down, and they sort of would obviously would take the the testing results that you'd done from well from sale at the time, mm-hmm. and then you would you know you'd do some testing again. Um, some of the, the sort of individual England testing, they'd have a look at your speed tests and all that kind of thing. And then, um, yeah, it was just a kind of a sort of restart to the to the first sort of block of the season, really, in terms of the uh, the training. You know, sort of like a lot of conditioning games and and sort of basic skill set stuff, which would which would you do normally in uh, in your summer pre-season camp with your club. As as an outsider to the England squad, for now, 
I might add. What is that feeling like when you come up to the England squad? And is it kind of like, well, I'm, am I wasting my time here? Why do they want all these wider players? Or is there genuine optimism that you're gonna have, you're gonna have a shot because because the coaches have got eyes on you? Yeah, well, I think you know, the players they want you know you just need to get your name on the radar, don't get yourself facing facing the pitch to be to go on to those camps. Although you know the numbers are, it's not the you say the 31 World Cup squad, um, just you know, to being around that is is a massive positive and a huge shot of confidence boost. Obviously, it's you know when when you're there, it's it's very intense, and uh, you know you, you're certainly aware of the of the step up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's um, yeah, it's it's huge, and it, it it gives you that sort of motivation drive to think right. Well, when I come back to my club, I know you know I know where I'm at now, and I know where I want to get to, and. You can you sort of get a bit of feedback from the coaches and go back and work on the stuff that you need to work on. Oh, that's interesting. So you'll finish the weekend or the camp, say, and you'll be sat down with the coaches and they'll say, Rob, you need to work on on X, Y, Z. Yeah, yeah. So there'd be, you know, there was sort of back then, you know, there was, there was a lot of feedback um, from the coaches and, you know, they said, this is where we sort of see you. Um, this is what we think is going well for you. This is what we think you can keep working on. And, you know, we'll obviously keep an eye on you through this as the season goes on and, and it's just a case once I mean again all lads will say once you get back to your club it's it's purely sort of club focused and yeah. you know everyone who, who plays for England the reason why they play for England is because they play well for their clubs it's not a case of you know just sort of cruising and waiting for the for the big England games the boys you know who who are in the international mix are consistently playing well each week, and that's that's what gets you that recognition. I'll have to tell that to Chris Ashton. But just in relation to that feedback, then I assume that everyone in in the squad will have their forms. But you're saying that when they when they take that back to the club, the club don't really work on it. They work on what, whatever they do. So there's not a kind of consistent feed through. No, I think there, there certainly is, and I think the um, you know the England coaches will speak to the to the club coaches as well, and you know they'll discuss their sort of thoughts on each player and. You know they'll probably get the the coaches, the club coaches, thoughts on the player and see if they match up with the, the international coaches. I'd imagine, and um, certainly the you know the the feedbacks sort of on an individual basis, yeah. and and then you can you can then you know go back to the club and if it's I know you need to put some size on, then you're going to speak to the conditioner. You know that might increase your increase your workload in the gym or your speed work or whatever it is or if it's a skill block then you know you're going to speak to to the right coach at the club and look to look to get that extra extra bit of help okay and uh without praying too much can you let us into what your what your work-ons were um i can't remember it was it was a couple of years ago now that the camp was um i think it was just a case of just just trying to be as consistent as possible mm-hmm. um you know just keep keep going along as you were and uh just keep having, you know, if you can play, like I said earlier, if you can play well each week, then, you know, that's what, that's what gets you that sort of, uh, that recognition. Was there ever a part of you when you were the Premiership, the top try scorer, and you think, what more do I need to do to get that call up? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, it was, you know, it was, uh, it was something I was massively, you know, happy with, and, and it was a big achievement for me to be able to do. Yeah. Um, especially that season at Sale, I think a lot of teams had, uh, you know, we were we were kind of written off really because we brought in a whole new squad and it was and it did take a couple of a couple of games for us to bed in but we um, we managed to actually have a really good season that year and not sort of what people would mm. would have thought and and sort of you know individual success probably came off the back of of how well the team did and how well the team sort of shocked a lot of uh, a lot of the league really and obviously we I remember one game we got we played Gloucester away and we needed to win to get Heineken Cup qualification. And um, yeah. I think we were written off most of the week in the press, and we 
we went down there and turned them over. So it was, um, which not many teams do down at, down at, um, down at Gloucester. So no, was, uh, not at all. It's a yeah, it was awesome. Well, I mean, there's not many away wins in the Premiership. Full stop. To be fair, no, not at all. I mean, it's so it's so close to call now. I mean, if you were if you ever a guy who liked to bet, I would certainly avoid rugby union. Rugby union <laughs> oh, I've tried it. It brings tears to my eyes. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. It's just like you say, you, you'll finish a game and look at the other fixtures and think, oh, this will happen, that will happen. And you look at the results and then it's just completely different. So I think it's it's definitely about picking up you know, picking up your wins at home and then away just trying to, to trying to get points on the road is, uh, is tough enough. Yeah. Um, I had the worst thing that can happen to anyone which is I won a bet, which was London Irish to win away at Leicester last season, uh, yeah. and that was my first. That's the first bet I've ever put on in my adult life ever, and oh, really? London Irish won. Yeah, so now I think I'm an absolute savant, and it's cost me a small <laughs> fortune since. Yeah, you got the bug, and then uh, <laughs> yeah. and then it hasn't worked out for you. Yeah, exactly. That season in sale, how much of that do you put down to Steve Diamond? Because that was the first year back for Steve Diamond after Brewer, I think. Or no, after yes. Redpath. So yeah, so he, so Dimes came in the I'm just trying to think yeah towards the end of that season, mm-hmm. um, but you know sort of looked in from afar really, uh, and then really sort of took hold of the reins at the end of the season through the summer, uh, brought in you know brand new brand new coaching staff, a lot of a uh, lot of changes in the sort of backroom staff, uh, and and then obviously a huge sort of influx of players. So mm-hmm. it was it was it was really exciting because it was a brand new squad and. You know, the people that he'd brought in were, you know, really added value to the squad, and we um, we went out and, and started with a real bang, and then managed to managed to keep it. We had a little bit of a blip um, partway through the season where where we sort of lost a couple of games on the bounce, but then got it back for the end of the season and managed to to get that um, it would yeah Highland Cup qualification back then. So it was um, definitely one of the uh, one of the real enjoyable seasons. And um, was it Dimes that came up to you or, or tried to recruit you from Newcastle, or was that the regime before? Um, I was yeah, so I was already at sale, so it was my um, so Kingsley. I got signed, but I was signed by Kingsley um, when he was at sale, uh, and then obviously Brewer came in uh, and took over until December. I think he he stayed until, and then obviously Dimes um, had already came from there. But obviously Dimes had already I knew about Dimes anyway because he he obviously was already involved uh, at Northampton back then. Um, doing sort of oh that's right isn't like recruitment or yeah some I think he'd helped with their recruitment and stuff so obviously people in, in knew knew who he was and then obviously I, I sort of knew who he was from from back when he was at sale um, so yeah I mean when he came back you know he's you know he's sort of sailed through and through and really got that that sort of passion and pride amongst the boys and that's you know probably what carried us through so I think you know, he certainly deserves a, a huge amount of credit for that. Oh, absolutely. I, I think he's a tremendous director of rugby. And living in Manchester, it's great to have him around because you're always sure that Sale are going to be a relevant team, which is great. Yeah. Um, I do think, though, I don't know if you agree with this, I, I do think that they got rid of Brewer a little too early and he wasn't really given a given a fair crack. Yeah, because that was... So, yeah, it would have been the December, so, yeah, th- four months it was, yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously, we. I mean, we didn't have... We didn't have the great run of results. Um, I think we'd had a couple of injuries as well. Um, so I mean, again, it's it's one of those things, isn't it? I mean, it's professional sport. It's a results results based business, and when they don't go your way, mm-hmm. you know, they 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 do make changes. And but certainly for for sale, I think bringing dimes in was you know one of the one of the best things they did. You know, him and obviously Pete Anglesey. You know, they they know the club inside. Yeah, out they really and, do. Um, you know, really got it back. 
um, back to sort of that top top level. And the boys, like you say, the boys he recruited in that first year um, made a made a massive difference, and uh, yeah, it was it was real good fun as well. I just I just wonder what it's like when when you do lose a coach that early in the season, because it, I think it's different in football because I think there's a there's a level of loyalty in rugby and that people do work really hard for the coach. Do you sort yeah. of feel like you've not been given enough time to do him justice or you know what's the reaction do you just then say right we have to move on and we look forward to the to next yeah i think in? it is like you say it is tough because obviously the players are ultimately the lads that are going out on the pitch and and if you know if, if we're not getting the win and you know someone loses the job over it there is that you know that that sort of feeling of you know you've, you kind of haven't performed how you how you should have done um but again it, it moves so it moves so fast and you know the industry moves so quickly and it's kind of like right, well, okay, who who have we got next week? And I remember, I think we played Saracens the first week because Angie took over initially, and we, we obviously Angie came in on the on the Monday and said, look, we've got f- five days to prepare for for a Saracens game. Who were, you know, <laughs> I think we're probably top of the league back then, and uh, yeah, yeah. we ended up winning. So I mean, it's it's just a case of you know a lot of the systems are already in place, and you know we had great leaders in that team who were able to sort of. You know, take control of it and help out in training and, and sort of carry us through to the end of the season before, you know, all the, all the big sort of staffing changes were made. How how often are you taking stock in that situation? Because obviously it's a it's a results business and it's week by week. Yeah, I think I think there's obviously you know there's that level of expectation, and um, and you know when when that's not met, there's often you know often changes are made and and obviously you know you're not 100 sure what goes on completely behind closed doors either. So there's um, for the for the players, it is tough because, you know, when when things change like that in terms of a coach leaving and a new one coming in, there is, you know, a big sort of a big change to deal with. And usually, like I said earlier, you've probably got four or five days to deal with it before you've got to get back out yeah, there yeah. again and try and try and turn it around. Um, but the players, you know, any team you go to, there's such a tight knit group, and you know, we spend a lot of time together. At times, probably too much time together. But, <laughs> um, you know, the boys all sort of know, right? We, you know, we really need to dig in and you know put in some extra work and and you know that season we managed to pull through and you know finish the season okay and then you know then obviously the changes were made and uh we almost sort of started afresh really and is that spoken about by the players themselves or does that do you wait for the yeah, new, so new person to come usually in and... most teams they you know there's kind of a, a senior lead, senior leaders group who they'll you know they'll they're sort of in close contact with the the coaches and and the soft management team uh on feedback on you know length of training content of training um, are we getting enough rest time? Are we are we having too much rest time? Whatever that is, and then that's fed back to the boys. And I think you know, and certainly at Sale, you know, there's, back then you know, there's people Charlie Hodson, Mark Coeto, boys who've been there for years. They know exactly how, you know, how it works, and you know, they're able to to sort of help out alongside mm-hmm. the coaches really. And I think that's definitely important in any team having that communication between the coaching team and management team and the and the players to get everyone you know on the same side. So. So after your sale days, then what? What was the prime reason for you for you move to Wasps? Because I imagine sale would be fighting like crazy to keep a guy like yourself with the success that you've had. Yeah, I, I mean it was it's it's funny really because it wasn't it wasn't anything at all. It wasn't you know I wasn't not getting any game time. I wasn't upset with anything. It was just a case of just a change. Like people say, oh, you did it. You moved for this reason. You moved for that reason. It's not at all. Like you ask anyone in mm. any walk of life. Have you stayed in the same job for 20 years? And 95% of people will say no. I did a few years there, and I did a few years here, and and it's the same for rugby players. And you know, I think 
it's a short career and it's a sense of for me it was a sense you know I want to try something new I want to live in a different city play with a different group of players yeah. um, you know different coaching staff whatever that sort of different point of difference is yeah that's literally all it was and said I didn't want to get to end of my career and think you know just sort of stayed stayed and sort of done the same thing day in day out and you know I, I love my time at Sale I've got you know loads of great friends still there now mm. and you know speak to them most of the time um and it was just just for me you know it was just i wanted to try something new and test myself in a new squad you know it wasn't there was no hidden agenda or no, yeah, I, no other I other think, reason behind it but obviously I, sometimes that's that's just the way it is i think you're absolutely right i always think like why don't professional footballers do like a year in italy a year in france a year I mean, at least they'd be interesting by the time that they finished i, yeah, mean, I so- mean you speak to some of the the sort of um the foreign lads in, in in the English squads and you know they love coming over. They're like, oh, ex- experience a complete different way of life. Yeah, you know, and then um, they can see from over this side of the world. You know, they any time off, they're they're all over popping to see a city in Europe or they've gone to see some a different city in England and they just love you know trying out different things. And I think you know that's a big thing we can take from them. Is you're absolutely right. I've got a, just um... getting around and, and you know they'll get to 34, 35, finish a career and said, well. You know, I spent some time in this country and that was awesome. And then I went there, but I didn't really like that. So, yeah. But I went, I tried it out. Do you know what I mean? I gave it a shot, and and I to get it... to the end of that is, is good. I think, and that's you know a lot more, a lot more players are probably going down that route. These Antipodeans really put you to shame in terms of, I've got someone, um, I've got someone who is lodging with us at the moment. And she's Australian, and every weekend she's off to Rome or Barcelona or somewhere. You think I should really do some of these things occasionally. Yeah, well, I, exactly. I, I guess a guy who's done that really successfully is uh, is Haskell. You know, he's been. Yeah, I mean, you speak to him. He did. He obviously did that that sort of sabbatical of. Um, I think did he go uh, France, Japan, and then Super Fourteen, um, and then obviously back back to back to the UK. And you know, to for him, you know, he speaks to him about it. And he said. You know, whenever I finish rugby, at least I can say, you know, I've tried this, I've tried that, and and that was sort of for me. It was just a, a case of okay, I've had four years at Sale, they've been fantastic years, and I've mm-hmm. really enjoyed it, and you know, I love living in Manchester, and you know, I've got family close by and that kind of thing. But I'd saw well, you know, go and live in, you know, get to go and live in London for a couple of years, and yeah, you know, that's been yeah. awesome, and and try, you know, try playing in a different squad with a different group of players and a different group of coaching staff, and. That's kind of all, all it was, really. Reading between the lines, then, uh, are you trying to tell us that you're off to New Zealand or South Africa now? <laughs> no, I don't know. Maybe Cumbria. Maybe we could start that team back up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe we could get back up there again. Have you ever, um, have you ever thought of a move to somewhere like France or you know, Super Rugby if the, opp- if the opportunity came up? Yeah, the thought's always there. I think, again, you speak to a lot of the boys and, and certainly some of the lads who have already sort of been out to France and stuff. And... Um, I guess you know some people go out there and just love it, and you know get in, get involved with the culture and their family really settle in, you know. But then there's the other side of it that you know you might go there, pick up a bad injury, not play, the family don't settle or, yeah. or whatever it is, and, and obviously there's risks involved in in it all. But certainly I think do you, you know but, even just to sort of give it a shot would be good. Do you not think like as a pro now at the start of the season when you know all the when all the rumours about various deals about, uh, for various players that have gone into France are announced, you think, oh, that's quite a lot of money. And then you've yeah. ended your season now. Uh, you've been to Dublin. You've been down to Bournemouth Sevens. You know, you've had all of this off season, and the French teams are still playing. You know, it's not I an know, easy season. Crazy. No, not at all. I mean, you know, obviously the in terms of the downtime and you know you. 50 meters from the beach and you know you 
you're going to have more sunny days than rainy days. Uh, the good things, but they the French league is brutal. Like it we play is. when we play any time we play out in France, the physicality is is massive. Like they have some big, big, big ball carriers, especially at home. They have their you know their home performances. The entire the entire town comes out to watch them, and it's kind of like like you know the is really honoured. Remember playing in a couple of games where in real hostile French environments, and like I say they're still still going now. So their seasons their seasons really long. Uh, oh yeah, because of course you've played against Toulon. Is it three times in the last two years now? Yeah, yeah. So I've been I've been pretty lucky. Um, I've played yeah played them played them three times. So it's been uh, to play against those boys was uh, was obviously certainly a, a career highlight. Yeah, exactly. And the, the the game in Coventry was some performance. Yeah, well, we just sort of came out the blocks flying, and then managed to you know managed to sort of shock them a bit and uh, and get that result. And then away from home, we were. You know, we were sort of two, three minutes away from from an away win as well. So, but that, yeah. when you play out there, the Stad Mayol is ne- literally next level. I remember the first time I went out there with Sale, and um, when the guy comes out and starts singing at the start, and you think, "Oh, this is quite loud," and then suddenly the noise all <laughs> goes up. And you're trying to you're trying to speak to the guy next to you, and you literally can't hear each other. It was uh, it was awesome atmosphere. That the loud, that the loudest stadium you've been to? I reckon in terms of in terms of atmosphere, certainly. I think when uh, the guy gets them all fired up at the start of the uh, start of the game, what are they like to play against? Honestly, do you go out there and think we're going to give it our best and hopefully we'll we'll, uh, we'll win, or were you very confident before that game that you could actually do what you did? Yeah, well, I think again the thing is when when you play against them, you're always always written off to not to not get the win. So there's almost less pressure on you from sort of external sources because you know you never expected to turn over a team like that. So it's kind of like, right, look, let's just go out, give it a good crack, play how we know we can play and we know we can cause them trouble. And, and that's kind of the best way to look at it, really. Mm. Um, you know, you obviously, that you give them the respect they deserve, you know, the amount of caps they've got in their team and the names of their players. Um, but once you get out there, it's, um, yeah, you just obviously just get stuck in. But I remember when, when we played out there with, because when we played them at home for sale, we, I think we only lost by like a score. It was, yeah. it was pretty close. But then away from home, we we were doing really well six probably 60 minutes in and then they just ramped it up a bit and just ran away with it and once they they were offloading out of tackles where we just couldn't even see where the ball had gone and they'd thrown thrown about four out the out the back passes and uh, and scored but they um yeah their their team their team's next level at times yeah there was an air of like inevitability with that away game that they would just come up with something even though you guys were on top for the majority of the game it, it just yeah. it just felt like it was going to happen. I wonder, did you feel that yeah. on, the, on the pitch? Uh, no, not really. I think it's just a, it's just a kind of like a mentality of look, just trying. Obviously, I mean, you can't say try and take like you know keep an eye on their threats because you're looking at every single player in their team. Yeah, but yeah. it's um, yeah, it's just a case of just trying to just trying to match them and stick with them. And if you can, you know, if you can frustrate them and and not let them play their, you know, their game they're good at their their offload game and their sort of quick ball game. Um, like any French side, really, once they get into that, that sort of in behind you, um, they're you know they're they're real tough to tough to stop. But if you can you know if you can stop them on the game line and and stop them from playing as much, then they can get frustrated. And the good thing in France as well is if you if you frustrate them and you get on top of them, sometimes the crowd you know can can actually get behind you a bit more, and it's kind of it, it's, it almost tries to balance itself out a little bit. I suppose training at Wasps now must be. Uh... Uh, must be pretty tasty because you've got so much talent there. 
Yeah, it does. It does. Usually amongst the forwards, to be honest, the backs are uh, we're pretty chilled with each other, to be honest. <laughs> but the forwards, you look across on on a Tuesday Tuesday morning, and the forwards are uh, again a bit tasty with each other. But the, and the backs are usually just stood there laughing at them. But it's um, yeah. I mean, obviously competition, you know, is, is huge now at Wasps with you know the boys that are the, the squad sort of that we've got. Um, but it's good, you know. I think it's it's it puts that pressure on every player and mm. training every day. You know, you can't just roll in and, and sort of cruise through a session you've, you've really got to sort of be concentrating and you know be on your guard every time and and for, for you as a player it's, it's certainly a good thing well i had a couple of drinks with with one of your teammates i won't say who and i asked him uh, who are the hardest people to tackle in, in wasps and as expected the, the names you know wade daily yeah all the usual suspects he, he gave me yeah. two people he gave me nathan hughes that probably doesn't, oh, doesn't, doesn't surprise you oh really yeah, I, I, I'm just glad he's on my team because he's, he's just so big. But he, I was talking to him. I said we're talking about something. He said something. something said, "Yeah, I'm only like 20. He's like 23 or 24. He's not even old. God, he's is that all he biggest, is? Yeah, he's the biggest bloke I've ever seen. And then he's like, oh, yeah, there's some when he breaks off the back of a scrum, and I think, oh my God, I would not want to be the 10 on their team because he's going he's gonna to get pulled over. <laughs> yeah, but you, he's, yeah, he's a big boy to stop. You've got to assume England are licking their lips uh, at the prospect of the prospect of having him and Vinopola. Well, yeah, exactly. The two sort of biggest wrecking balls in the in the Premiership, really. Mm. I mean, whichever whichever combination you'd play, or even you know, even if they played either together or or on the bench, one on the bench, you'd think, oh, a bit of rest time, and one goes off, <laughs> and the other one comes on and start steamrolling people again so that that i think those two if they could you know team up in the same team would be uh be pretty devastating if those if those two could team up in the same team they'd be in the wwe (laughs) (laughs) they would they'd certainly win royal rumble the and the other player they said was actually rob miller oh really yeah so high praise indeed he said the individual involved said you you simply just can't be caught I'll take that. I'll take that. Good. I wouldn't have put myself up in that list, but yeah, I'll take that. You're too modest. <laughs> so, in training um, out those backs, who who really stands out? Um, I'm trying to think. Probably in the backs, Christian Wade. Like he's he's the most horizontal bloke ever. He's chilled out. He's laughing and playing pranks on people. And then he turns up, gets into training, and he's just next level. Like the if we do sort of any one-on-one stuff and it's you against Wade, it's you know you're more than likely going to get embarrassed because he's he's got gas yeah. more than anyone to be honest. He's, he's unreal. Yeah, like and he he he's just sort of real, even though he's quite a small guy, he's deceptively strong. I mean, he breaks he breaks an awful lot of tackles, both one-on-one without being touched, but also once he's in the tackle, he manages to you know almost very similar to sort of Jason Robinson would. We're running into two big blokes and you think, oh, he's going to get smoked and then suddenly comes out the other end and, and he's away. So yeah, the, um, I think it's one of those things that like, he's done. it looks like they feel that they've got him and then they yeah. kind of release him and before you know it, he's done like a, shul- away, yeah. uh, a shoulder roll and he's you know rolled over twice, he's up and just gone again. Yeah, so he would he would be someone who I wouldn't I wouldn't wouldn't probably fancy uh, wouldn't fancy coming. But then also you've got other people like Lossie Lossie Taki Taki about he's course, he has yeah. both. In terms of footwork, and he's a mute as well, so he'll either <laughs> he'll either step you, or if he doesn't step you, and you get all of him, he'll just knock you over anyway. So he's another one who would uh, I'd probably I'd probably try and avoid. Yeah, well, uh, I kind of think with this Wasps team now, uh, the game against Exeter was very how should we say? Um, 
it's very confrontational should, should yeah. say. and it was clear that you guys were, were very disappointed to lose that my view of it was you were disappointed because i think um, as a group you expected to win either the Harding cup or the premiership because in some ways that group's starting to kind of disintegrate now you know you're losing the two um two Pietal boys which is huge yeah uh, ben jacobs hanging up his boots there's a few others leaving yeah i think you know the squad that we had last season was 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 strong and you know certainly the, the lads that came in the experience that they brought um was a massive help and got us through a lot of big fixtures and and helped on a sort of day-to-day basis in training and i think once we you know we've kind of spoke internally quite a bit about you know just go week by week just keep building up the points you know we'll go from there and um and then obviously we you know we, we got ourselves in the position for for two semi-finals and so i said look you know we're here now we, we haven't been in the semi-final for a lot of years let's just go out mm. and give it give it a good crack and you know we know on our day we can we can beat anyone and you know, unfortunately, obviously, it came down to came down to two real close results, and um, you know we just didn't get over the line in the end. But credit, I mean, certainly in that Premiership semi-final, Exeter, they're you know they're the top top side. They're going to be up up at the top for a long time. I think their their sort of mix of physicality and also ability to play is you know is really sort of a huge a huge benefit for them. They've got you know some big forwards and. Real clever forwards as well. Yeah, you know, Dave Ewers, Thomas Walden, people like that. You know that, as well as being physical, you know they they're very clever in in sense of where you know their sort of game understanding and and they're tough to break down. And then you know they've got they've got boys out wide who can play. Obviously the you know Henry Slade, Sam Hill, those sort of young lads who who you know have been outstanding for them for the last couple of seasons and now just sort of really kicking on. And they're probably the ones that are taking you know taking the club. The club forward, I think. Oh, absolutely. You know, and he, Exeter, I know you speak to you speak to a lot of lads in the league. Exeter is one of the the toughest teams to play against, certainly. Yeah, they've got a very proud home record. They're a tremendous yeah. club. You know, you talk about wingers that are hard to cut and put down. Jack Noll's got to be right up there. He's, he's been he's been great this season. I think again, he's similar in the sense that his footwork's really good, but then he's he's got that strength and tackle to you know to break tackles. Um, and he's obviously had a. Some real good games for England as well, so he's um, definitely one that's going to just sort of stay in that group and you know take Exeter forward. Yeah. So uh, if you look back to the start of this season, then do you think Wasps exceeded expectation? Yeah, I mean, I think you know the the squad that that we you know kind of had put together was certainly able to you know to challenge for silverware. Um, so in, in terms of potential, I think we kind of we kind of reached that. But I think it's you know it's just a case of obviously where where people see you from from the outside and and you as a group from the inside i think once we you know we had a run of games during that 10 week block of premiership games you know where we we racked up a lot of wins and everyone said oh you know you're going to what about silverware what about this and you know we kind of spoke every day in in our meetings and in training you know just keep your head down don't sort of you know don't worry about anything that's going on outside the club let's just keep yeah. working hard in training and and we kept picking up the points and then obviously we you know we found ourselves in knockout rugby, where you know we we back ourselves that on our day, we can we can beat anyone. But unfortunately, you know it just it just wasn't to be. Yeah. So is that how you do it? Then you uh, break down the season into small targets, and as those targets are achieved, you reassess and then go again. Yeah, definitely. I think um, you know it's just a case of of week by week. I think it it's very easy to look too far ahead, and then suddenly, you know, you you get burnt by a team who, who you think, oh, it's all right, we'll, we'll win, but. Certainly, most most teams are definitely week by week because that's all you, you, know, you can really focus on. There's so much going on in 
in terms of the working week of getting getting all your um, you know your systems in place, the game plan in place, learning the game plan, doing the training, and then actually going into to playing the game. There's not really much space to be thinking too far down the line. So, what would you say then for next year is Wasp upper ceiling? As in, what do you think that they could achieve, and what do you think would then be a disappointing year? Um, I think just a case of, of of keep progressing. I think is is would probably you know be the be the message moving forward. Obviously, we've had that experience now of you know of playing knockout rugby and 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 kind of experiencing what the the different pressures are mm. of that. And I think you know next year if if that happens again for us, you know we've had that experience from this season to um, to sort of learn on really. And I think. Um, if we can keep doing that and, and keep progressing and keep keep everyone injury free, I think that was another big thing. We didn't have you know too many too many bad injuries, and yeah. obviously credit to the the coaching staff and the the SNC staff that we get looked after very well. Um, you know they're they're very sensible with our workload and stuff in the working week, and then making sure that we're that we're fresh and uh, and full of energy for the game. Yeah, do, do you look at someone like Bath and think we must avoid that for next year? Yeah, I think for that. It was obviously it's hard to comment because you're not in their camp, but you know they obviously had a, a great season the season before, and then obviously lost a couple of boys away to the World Cup and stuff, uh, and then just just didn't get those results. I think it's rugby certainly one of those things when you know when you're winning and you're on a winning roll, things you know things go a little bit easier and things go your way a little bit more. But the flip side of it is you know when when you're losing, it's tough, and you know you really got to pull together as a squad. I remember. When- Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how get 20, 20, 20, how get 20, 20, how get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. At sale and you know similar position. You know we had a really good season when we got that Harnett and Cup spot, and then the season after, before Christmas, we were at bottom of the league and you know real struggling yeah. the, before the Christmas period, um, scrapping with London Welsh, and then luckily we managed to to pull it pull it through and, and, and get out the other side. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Bath have lost uh, lost a, a hell of a lot of places in one season. Um, the obvious reason Sam Burgess is gone. Um, what's <laughs> well? How does that how does that sort of thing factor in when you when you lose a key player? Granted, it's do you have certain players that you think if they went, the team would crumble, or that we yeah, I to think lose a couple of places. Or? I think obviously that you know the the you know the the management team have have things in place that when you know when people move on, go into different clubs, there's there's a lot of people coming through, and you know certainly it was I think pretty much in every position there's at least two or three lads who have got that ability to, to fill a slot and I think that's why the standards in training are so high that you know if you're 
if you're not cutting it in training or whatever, then there's you know there's definitely someone right next to you that's ready to to take the shirt. Then it's your job to to keep hold of that for the for the following games. Yeah. Um, and I think when obviously big a big player leaves, it, you know it is it is tough. But certainly Bath, you know, have got a lot of um, a real good squad and a real strong squad, and I'm sure next season they'll come back and uh, and be back sort of flying towards the top. Um, now. You've obviously got ambitions to to play for England, but I think there might be a way that you could play for someone else. Did you, does your dad not qualify for USA? Uh, I wouldn't. Um, he was in America. I'm not sure he would qualify for USA. Well, from my, I would have to do. I would have to do some digging. But he he went to college in America, and with a couple of a couple of um, his mates, and they played they played out there, and I think he played. I'm not sure he played. He played a lot of rugby out there, but I'm not sure. Oh uh, well, uh, well. After some digging around, uh, I actually found out that your that your dad was not only qualified to play, but but uh, but got offered to play for the United States. So I thought you might have some uh, American heritage there, and we can maybe oh, turn you into I'll an eagle to, or some I'll such thing. I'll have to chase it up. I'll have to chase it up. It could be uh, something unknown to me, but I'll have to uh, I'll have to speak to him. I know he, he definitely spent he spent a couple of years out there. Um, in his in his college days, uh, and played and played quite a bit of rugby. So yeah, I'll have to ask him. <laughs> so um, how do you think that England will go this weekend? Then I think they'll go well. I think they obviously they're off the back of off the back of a good Six Nations. Mm. Um, you know they've 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 obviously you know changed changed up their their systems a little bit, and I thought they were they were strong through the Six Nations and uh, you know put in some real dominant performances. So I think they'll. I think they'll uh, they'll go really well. Um, they've got a, a big big pack that can uh, that can easily sort of get on top, and then obviously they've got X factor players in the backs who can who can really cause trouble. So I think, fingers crossed, they'll uh, they'll go well. Mm. Uh, and can you give me a prediction for a the game and b the series? I'll go two one England win, and England will win the first test. Uh, 2312 2312 good specific yeah yeah <laughs> yeah very well we've just been doing some um joint podcasts with some guys guys in australia the green and gold uh, the green and gold rugby podcast okay um and let me tell you now if england win that first test the australian press will implode and not only yeah. will, will okay. it implode it'll be a complete whitewash from what from what i've sort of heard um from the from the from the press out there, I think if they they can uh, historically can you know can uh, like to play a few mind games and stuff, but then again, if England get on top, like you say, I think it could uh, certainly work in their favour. Well, I mean, England aren't immune to mind games themselves. I think they've had uh, uh, your colleague George Smith in there doing some breakdown stuff. Uh, I think yeah. Ella was doing something. Got a feeling they were getting their ex, the Australian ex ex coach Mackenzie in to do a scrimmaging session. So oh, okay. um, I think both parties are slightly to uh, slightly, slightly to blame here. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. But I'm sure the uh, the media the media love all that, and they can uh, they can get involved as well. So yeah, all good fun. No, it's all these Australians, mate. They're into uh, the soap operas and stuff, aren't they? So it, it's it's, all, <laughs> it's almost inevitable. <laughs> where will where will you be watching on uh, Saturday? Um, I'm actually. I'll be watching. I'll be watching Will Addison's house, to be honest, because he's. I'm staying with him on Friday night, 
um, and then we'll probably watch the game and head up to head up to Cliffy's wedding. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll catch it in the morning and then uh, and then head up. Excellent, excellent. Well, Rob, you've been an absolutely fantastic guest. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, hopefully, we've Thank not got you, you into um, any trouble uh, or any such stuff like that. Um, and <laughs> if you're ever around Manchester or near or near the rugby dungeon, we'll have to have you in in person. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. All right, Rob. All right, Rob. Cheers. Cheers, Rob. Cheers, that, mate. Thanks a lot. Cheers.